0: Hello there and welcome. I am in Korea today. We're still in Korea. We're going to have a look at, at the impact of the Korean War today and I hope you are all going to join me now to have a think about it. I want to start though today's episode by reaching out to somebody. There's somebody out there called something like Michael Ontama. Or Michelle or something like that whoever you are you are a mystery to me you've emailed me through um, hello at historyrocks.co.uk um, asking some questions about extracts but I've tried to answer you and for whatever reason your email address keeps bouncing back so if you are tuning in right now try again have a look at your email address and I'll forward you my response to your query Now, if you have any questions, any shout outs, anything like that, uh, you can always email me on hello at historyrocks.co.uk. And, history teachers out there, uh, have a look on the historyrocks.co.uk website right now because we have a host of webinars and events and training and, and all sorts of resources and things like that coming up that you might want to get into and have a look at. So, go to that website now take a look um so I'm going to start with the obligatory joke uh remember when I said to you in a previous episode that under Brezhnev we had something known as gerontocracy you know uh where a government is run by supremely old people I think the average age was about 68 could be higher than that could be 70 either way quite an old bunch in in his politburo well the joke goes like this Brezhnev, who is playing with his grandson, uh, says to him, um, who will you be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And He looks at his uh, granddad and he says, I want to be a general secretary. And Brezhnev looks at him and is like, well, what do we need two general secretaries for? Bub-bub! It's good. It is good. I, to, I found that little gem this morning and I really like it. So I thought I'd share it with you. Okay. So Korea. Um, last previous episode, if you didn't tune in, have a listen to it. We were talking about sort of like the background to it, really, the causes of the Korean War. Uh, so today we're just going to drift through um, very generally the sort of outline of the war itself. Uh, but more importantly, the impact of the war um, as well, which, again, all of, all of this you could get exam questions on. So do uh, stay tuned. Um, So basically, we we tend to split the Korean War into four phases. Um, The first phase, generally it's said, lasts from around about June to September of 1950. And this is when North Korea um, invades South Korea. It pushes far south, captures Seoul, which is the capital of South Korea. um, And they managed to push all of the UN forces backwards, Um, So it did look like, actually, uh, the UN uh, was having much much joy um, in the initial phases of the Korean War. Uh, So they push them backwards. South Korean forces themselves were pushed back to an area known as Pusan in the south. So that's the phase one. Phase two is when the UN and the US kind of rally and they push northwards. Uh, And this lasts from about September up until November of 1950. Um, General Douglas MacArthur, as you know, he's leading the UN troops in that region, landed in a place known as Incheon, uh, which was behind Korean lines. So he's done it sort of behind the 38th Parallel. Um, and what they managed to do is fight back um, and actually begin to, I guess, sort of roll back uh, communism as it was originally conceived in the uh, um, NSC 68. Um, and, you know, all signs were that the Americans and the UN were going to win the war quite swiftly and, um, General Douglas MacArthur and his forces were pushing um, to an area known as the Yao River, uh, which is just just near the border of China by about November of 1950. Um, And uh, yes, it looked like they were going to um, have a, a quick victory. The Chinese, though, very concerned about the approaching Americans and UN troops, decided that for defensive reasons... They were going to send in their own troops to support the North um, Koreans uh, to prevent the Americans, I guess, rolling communism back any further, you know, into their own country. Um, And so they sent their troops over uh, the Yawa River, about 300,000 or so of them, um, by about October of 1950. So that's phase two. Phase three, then, is when actually... Um, the the Americans and the UN started panicking a little bit, MacArthur especially. He was recommending using an atomic bomb, of all things, to um, try and drive back um, the Chinese and the North Koreans. Um, But Truman, of course, decided not to, um, that he only wanted a, a limited war. So his view was that Um, we try and push them back to where they were originally rather than roll them back completely, I guess, from North Korea. Um, and so consequently, um, they, uh, they decided that, um, General Douglas MacArthur needed to be dismissed, um, and Truman fires him, uh, for warmongering, um, And instead, the Americans sort of talk about the possibility of finding a negotiated settlement in North Korea, uh, with North Korea, I should say. Uh, So phase four... Um, is that actually not a lot happens. Phase four lasts from June 1950 to about July 1953, and we get what's known as a stalemate, really, where both sides um, carried on fighting, neither of which were really gaining much ground. Um, President Eisenhower now comes to power in 1952, um, in part because he wanted to end the war. That was his message to the American population uh, and that was uh, something that that helped him gain that victory. Um, there were some disagreements. It took a long time um, for North Korea and the UN to kind of find a settlement because uh, it was disagreements over prisoner release, for instance. Um, Again, Eisenhower threatens the use of atomic bomb if there was any more delays, but it's all sort of hot air, really, coming from him. And essentially, uh, they started these peace talks between July fifty one to fifty three. Stalin died in nineteen fifty three, um, so that kind of opened the door uh, for a, a negotiated settlement, um, because I'm not so sure Stalin would have done uh, would have resolved the issue had it not been for his, um, his replacement. Um, and then, yeah, we, we get essentially what's a a status quo. We've got the 38th parallel there, demilitarized zone established roughly along that zone. Um, and all of the military forces, including the UN were withdrawn from the area. Um, so consequently we get, assigned armistice in North Korea. A lot of people today though, I mean I was watching something on TV the other day about Korea, will still say that the war continues in Korea. Um, It's still one of these countries that's very divided. Um, There was a wonderful documentary on Korea by Michael Palin not so long ago, you might be able to find it if you have a look on BBC. Uh, so what's the impact of it? Well, roughly, we think in all, in total, uh, about four million lives were lost. Most of those would have come from North Korea. Um, we've got a stalemate. There's no clear victory coming out of this war. Um, you know, I guess both sides can claim a bit of a partial victory, but no one's won outright. Um, you know, the Americans, I guess, have had to accept the existence of communism in North Korea. It demonstrated the limitations of containment in that sense, rollback and things like that, that being advocated was clearly hot air. Um, but equally, the North did not achieve their objective of unifying Korea under communism either. Um, despite all of the costs of the war China emerges as a superpower during this um era with clear influence over Asia much more so than um Stalin I guess uh so they see themselves as the kind of beacon the shining light uh, to you know what communism should look like to other Asian countries um Eventually, it prompts um, the Americans to adopt the recommendations of NSC-68, this idea that there needed to be a rapid increase in expenditure on conventional and nuclear weapons and um, support to Japan. Um, so, yes, I think they tripled their expenditure on weapons after the Korean War um, it's quite unsettling I guess for the rest of Europe as well what happened in the Korean War um you know West Germany was um, allowed to rearm itself soon after the Korean War um as a possible solution uh, towards reunifying Germany was lost um Japan definitely benefits from it they signed the San Francisco Peace Treaty and um which basically said that their Japanese sovereignty was now restored and the American forces withdrew. Uh, but equally, they, sent, uh, they signed the um, Yoshia letter, which said that they will trade um, with Taiwan whilst um, boycotting China. Um, and the Korean War just demonstrates the importance now um, of Asia, really, Um, in the overall story of the uh, Cold War. So it's quite an important event. So here we are. We've come to the end of that. Pretty straightforward stuff. Um, So feel free to rewind and re-listen at any point. You should be in the throes of revision now, so make sure you're working hard. And um, I will finish it there for today. So if you do have any questions, shout-outs, good luck messages, anything you want me to send out there, Um, to the nation actually because there's a lot of people across the country that listen to this Uh, send me an email on hello at historyrocks.go.uk and I'll see you soon take care bye now